Welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. My name's Jason Bates, and today we bring you a very special insight show focusing on small and medium-sized businesses. It's obviously a massively important sector for the UK. Small businesses account for 99.3% of all private sector businesses at the start of 2016. Total employment in these small businesses was 15.7 million, that's 60% of all private sector employment in the UK. And the combined annual turnover of SMEs was 1.8 trillion, that's trillion with a T, 47% of all private sector turnover. That's, that's just massive. And as I was mentioning to a client last week, uh, when I'm out talk- talking to groups, someone inevitably comes up to you after the discussion to whisper that they're working on a small business solution, account, bank. It seems to be that crazy hot topic at the moment that everyone's whispering in small circles about. So SMEs, hot or not? To dive into all of this and more, I'm joined by some very special guests to help me unpick all of the changes to small businesses, accounting and banking, and what's going to happen basically over the next few years. So I'm very pleased to welcome Edward Burks from Zero. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm really well. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, Claire Sheehan from the HMRC. Hi there. How are you? Delighted to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Is everyone delighted? Yeah. <laughs> and Mags Laidlaw, accountant and partner at Mazars. Hi. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Excellent. And Charlie Wood, Capco slash fintech representative. I'm not sure what that means, but are you a representative of fintech? I've got two hats on, can't you see? Ah, there you go. So, I guess diving into it, like Ed, a small business is going to poodle along just as they've always done, or are there any changes that are really going to affect them in the next few years? So lots of change coming, I think. Uh, lots of talk on, on this show about PSD2. We've seen uh, changes like auto-enrolment that have been a, a real challenge, actually, for small businesses. And of course, making tax digital, which Claire uh, will be able to talk uh, more about. Um, but from uh, April uh, 2019, uh, VAT registered businesses, about half of them in the first instance, will need to uh, submit records digitally via API and uh, keep records in an appropriate digital bookkeeping platform. So I've run businesses across my career from two to 60 people. I know that that fear of getting towards the end of the year and suddenly having a massive amount of bookkeeping to do to put that that tax in. What's what's pushing tax digital? What What's behind the driver for this? So I guess at its absolute heart, the whole point of making tax digital is to make it easier for businesses to get their tax right. And the story that you've just said about your experience is amplified across um, many small businesses that actually it's a really um, big source of stress dealing with tax. It's something that most small businesses are not thinking about on a day-to-day basis. And when they come to do it, particularly their income tax returns at the end of the year, in fact, after the end of the year, they've got a box of receipts or a a bag of receipts and they have to try and make sense of it. And actually, it's inevitable that mistakes creep in when that happens. But those mistakes cost the exchequer, cost the country, um, across all of the mistakes across uh, not just businesses, um, over nine billion a year. So in terms of the driver to act, it's a, a pretty compelling one. And I guess there's there's benefit to the small business in terms of cutting that down into smaller chunks. Absolutely. So that actually I, I take on less than a year's worth of accounts and, and just do it smaller. Absolutely. And that's what we were aiming for. Actually, if people keep their records as they're going along and they do that digitally, come the end of the year, they've been sending updates to HMRC on a regular basis. The end of year activity is actually really straightforward, but there's a whole range of benefits that come from keeping better records as you go along. And actually what we're seeing more and more 
before is that um, a lot of software is actually being developed independently of making tax digital. And the tax bit is just an add-on, actually. It's just the sort of thing that makes good business sense. Which I guess brings us on to the accountant's view, because I guess my, my experience has been that call to the accountant to say, hey, um, like I need to get my book sorted. How do I send you these formats in CSV files and trial balances and everything in between? This is going to really change those relationships, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think for all different sizes of clients, uh, things are going to change. So for very small clients, there's lots of solutions out there for them in terms of um, making their accounts digital and filing. Um, And then through to fairly large clients, again, where... That digitalisation process um, will perhaps be a bit more demanding on them. Um, but certainly from our point of view, the priority at the moment is to educate our clients around making tax dig- digital. That's that's the first thing to do. And lots of them are aware of it already. Um, but I think we've got to hold their hand through the process. And then also to support them and ensure that when they do take the first steps in the first quarterly um, submissions to HMRC that they feel comfortable with that. And I think Claire's right, there will be benefits to clients to submitting quarterly um, on a digital basis because that ability to look at the information that you've submitted and uh, to make choices around the different quarter ends and things that you might want to do in the business from a strategic point of view. So, for example, buy capital equipment, um, pay bonuses, you know, things that um, you may want to do, but previously you may have left them to the year end. Mm-hmm. You're going to be more aware of the information that you've got. So I think it's a good thing. Um, and I think our clients are... I wouldn't say looking forward to it, but they're certainly, you know, they're they're up for it. It's something. Do you think it fundamentally do. changes the accountant's job or the relationship with their client when, you know, it isn't that once a year thing for very small clients, but suddenly turns into something more frequent? Yeah, I mean, I think a great thing for accountants, actually, because that um, interaction with your clients on a more regular basis I think is is good, is great for your client and for the accountant as well. Um, and I think you will be able to advise better because you're not leaving it to the year end and sometimes after the year end and then trying to make decisions retrospectively, which can be uh, can be difficult. So, yeah, I think I think it'll be a good thing in terms of the relationship. So how's the HMRC sort of implementing this, educating people? Because I guess as a small business a small business person. Uh, on one side, I can see that uh, making tax digital is great because I can get all of those uh, documents in. I can run my uh, business with zero, and th- there's likely to be some kind of integration. I guess on the negative, I don't get that 18 months to pay corporation tax or whatever it is, and the flexibility of moving money around my business. Are you seeing positives and negatives with ha- with with businesses? Yeah, so certainly we're seeing positive and negative reactions. It's an important point though. Pay- Payment dates aren't changing, so people will still be able to pay um, at the same point as they always did, although there'll be flexibility to pay in year and spread the cost if if people want to. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the scale of the implementation challenge, I don't, I don't think we underestimate it. And on the one end of the spectrum, you've got people who are already very digital who are just like, yeah, this is no big deal. This is just, you know, an obvious next step. Other At the other end of the spectrum, there's people who find the concept of digital really quite challenging and intimidating. And, and there's clearly an important role for us to play in, in supporting those 
customers to make the change. I mean, in actual fact, we've already started implementing, uh, which I think is not necessarily that widely known outside of of, um, uh, the smaller circles who are more closely involved. Um, But we've actually started piloting the changes for income tax earlier this year. That's in a controlled period right now, but we'll be opening it out shortly um, so that more people can join. Um, And that's a really important part of it for us so that we can actually bring people in slowly on a voluntary basis and we can learn from their experiences. We can test our customer support model. We can work with accountants to help um, make sure that we've got the right support in place for them. Um, But the big thing looming on the horizon, of course, is mandation for VAT from April uh, 19. It's worth um, just clarifying, though, that it's only actually going to be mandated for those who are above the VAT threshold. So that's just been frozen in the budget at age 5,000. So only those businesses will be required to um, keep digital records and and send their their VAT returns, if you like, through making tax digital. And actually, a very big chunk of the VAT population um, is smaller businesses who are below the VAT threshold. Um, They'll have the choice to join voluntarily. Personally, I would hope that many of them would do that because kind of why wouldn't they once you see how easy it is, particularly new businesses, because actually it doesn't really make sense to join an old system when there's a there's a newer and an easier way of doing it. Um, but as we come out and start to do those pilots, that's when you'll start to see more of it happening and that there'll be more, more communications around it. However, as important as what we're doing will be what the accountancy sector are doing. So as Mag says, they're starting to prepare their clients for it, what the software developers are doing to support their customers to, to transition and what some of the trade representative bodies are doing to kind of do more tailored stuff. So we see this as a partnership. It's not something we can do alone and it's not something we should do alone. And uh, Ed, is that something you're seeing just in the UK or do you think this is part of a, of a broader trend across the world? Are you seeing in any, any other jurisdictions in your work at Zero? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think both from a taxation perspective and a banking perspective, there are similar initiatives to those that we're seeing in the UK that are clearly being driven in, in Asia, where we have very big presence. And uh, actually, I was in the US last week and, and, and there's more going on in this space than, than I think I'd realised. Um, I think what's a a, a real opportunity um, from kind of an open banking perspective is that making tax digital, as the name would suggest, is a big catalyst for getting a lot of data that otherwise lives in paper form digitized. Um, we kind of talk about that the, there's an iceberg where, where the filing bit is actually pretty simple, filing some structured data via an API. That's kind of pretty simple, but actually digitizing all of the processes prior to that, all of the bookkeeping is 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 going to require some change, but actually from an open banking perspective then presents opportunity to better understand digitally the finances of those small businesses and of course offer products and services to those businesses in a much more informed, targeted and tailored fashion. So I think the two dovetail really well. And I guess that brings us on to fintechs, Charlie, because this sounds like it's a technologist dream. Suddenly we've got open banking APIs, suddenly we've got tax APIs, we've got accounting platforms in between. It's all the APIs ever wanted. This is just like a playground. (laughs) Every time I hear something, something, digital, something, something, I always think of of three major things. One, web technologies, which obviously I can get overexcited about very quickly. Um, Two, operating models on both sides of the fence. So one of the interesting things about making tax digital is I kind of think, well, Okay, this actually means that, like you were saying, you can save nine billion pounds in costs because no longer do you need hordes of people reaming through lots of physical documents. You can have machines starting to crunch through digitized documents. That for me is great because that 
breeds efficiency. Uh, and then the last one is amortizing spiky stuff. Like if everybody has to submit stuff at the end of the year, just like if everybody turns on their kettle after Coronation Street or everybody hits my API service exactly after a concert to order Uber or whatever, then you suddenly have to work out how do I make sure I've got enough bodies to be able to handle all of those requests. So I'm sure you guys probably struggled at the end of the year to be like, great, we've got some order of 7 million people just in London filing their tax returns, super. And now you can kind of stretch that out over the year and have actually a dedicated team that's smaller that runs more continuously and that is exactly the same in the technology world we face the same problems how do i make my platform my technology be able to accept and request the same thing and how do you amortize that make it more scalable and that is the magic word that falls out the back of all of this is scale as soon as it gets to small numbers of humans lots of automated processes and like you said just having making tax digital if that was backing off into an office of 400 people uh, the interface is there, but it's the processes behind it that need to get automated. And when they do, scale just becomes almost immeasurable out the back. You get you get to unlock all of that potential. So I guess the ideal world, you know, from a fintech perspective, or even from a zero perspective, David Breer, one of my co-founders, 11FS, talks about hardly ever really going to the bank app or the bank website because for the business he runs it on zero so and i guess with open banking apis and making tax digital arguably i might not go to my bank or not go to the hmrc gateway because i can do everything from from a, a single place do you see that in in zero's future you know it's uh, it's an interesting typification i've heard david kind of make that representation um as we again just think about all this data being available uh, there are two really really important data sets from a financial services perspective if i want to understand my uh, financial health as a small business i actually need the data set that's held in my accounting platform uh, because that gives me uh, great insight on the state of my business and a forward looking view and i need my bank account data and so we're working really closely actually with the banks and if you think about the kind of journeys uh, that small businesses need to make and you take making a payment, for example, that's a journey that very much begins in an accounting environment. I might want to reimburse an employee for expenses or make payroll or settle an invoice. It starts in the accounting environment, but actually has to include the bank. Um, and even under um, open banking as a PISP, Yes, we can. you can drive through single transactions and, and actually kind of cut the bank out of the loop. But that's not really, I think, the way that we are, are best to operate. And so all of the engagements that we have with the banks very much are uh, recognizing, let's say, the start of the journey in accounting environment, but actually authentication and execution of payments, for example, bank side. And similarly, accessing capital. Um, if I want to understand what form I should best access capital in and get the timing of that right, I need both data sets. Um, and of course, it's the banks by and large who have the capital, right? So uh, again, I think uh, there's a lot of talk of disintermediation, um, something we don't really subscribe to. I think we're working really, really closely with the banks because I think in order to address the needs of small businesses, 90% of whom bank with the big five banks in the UK, uh, actually, it's really, really important that the banks are very much in the loop. And I guess taking that disintermediation theme and that disruption, that's something that could very easily be pointed at accounting and saying, well, great, if I've got Charlie's machine learning and AI algorithms and I've got tax APIs and accounting uh, software, do I actually need accountants in the end in order to, to do this for me? Or do I just press a button and see the report? You know, how do you see that that playing out? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because lots of new businesses that are setting up now, which we talked about earlier. Um, so new start businesses hopefully start right away in um, 
in the environment we're talking about. So in terms of their accounting software package and anything that links to that, so the apps that they use that link to zero, they're already there. Um, so the type of advice, and again, that's great from our point of view because historically a lot of the work that we did was looking back. It was historical work, whereas now with the um, with the software that's available and the apps that are available, and then when we take it a, a step further to MTD, um, it'll be really good to be able to advise your clients looking forward as opposed to looking back and then when you link in the banking and funding side of things to that it's a much more exciting place to be being able to advise on that basis rather than than looking back all the time which historically so it's about higher value services and being that sort of cfo rather than submitter a, a, a tax return for yeah me. so if you look at um SMBs at the moment, if you look at that type of business, they're not going to have an in-house finance director, a lot of them. Um, some of them might not even have a financial controller in-house in the future. And I think the, um, the sort of interim FD, sort of virtual FD role that we play at the moment for some of our clients, but actually we could play that um, much more going forward. And then you're looking at the strategic direction of the business um, and also advice around, um, you know, the employee side of things, advice around funding, uh, advice around structure. So, yeah, which is, from our point of view, you know, exci- more exciting in terms of advice for the client. The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT Subscription. Fintech innovation is changing the way we bank, and the speed we deploy new customer experiences is vital. Onboarding the right fintech partners can take months. Do you have time to lose? Introducing the Innovation Acceleration Platform from Temenos. Test fintech solutions at speed with real data straight from the core banking system. With a yearly subscription, you can begin testing the same day and create new customer experiences in no time. For more details, visit marketplace.temenos.com. Well, I guess we've we've seen changes in the business model. To Charlie's point, uh, I used to buy QuickBooks and have that running, or Sage, or something. Zero is very much a software as a service. Do you see digital making tax digital open banking APIs as changing the fundamental business model around professional services for businesses? Um, and if you look at the um, our clients now, what they're looking for, even compared to what they were looking for five years ago and ten years ago, it's you know it's completely different and. Um, we're lucky in that respect because the work we do with Zero, if we are looking, for example, um, just to give a recent example, if you have a specific industry niche uh, that you want to support from a um, from an accounting perspective and tax perspective, you know, we can speak to Zero. We can find out what apps are being developed to support that niche, um, and that is really valuable to our clients because you're able to to give them a full end to end solution as opposed to um, you know part of a solution. So yeah, I see it fundamentally changing. The way we work. Because I get all the time people telling me, oh, you're inventing a new Skynet that's going to destroy everything and take all the jobs. And I always think, no, there's no evidence that that's ever happened. Technology always seems to drive us further forward. And this is literally a classic example of where technology is driving the humans up the value chain. No longer are you having to deal with nine hours a day filing stuff away. You can do the higher level thinking of, well, actually, what's the strategic direction you should be going in? Sure, yeah. I love that kind of thing. Really good and great for the client. (laughs) 
it's great to hear those sorts of conversations happening as well, because I think in the early stages of making tax digital, there was a lot of mistrust about it in the accountancy profession, that we were somehow trying to cut the accountants out of the out of the loop. Mm-hmm. And that's never been what we were trying to do. Um, we've always been trying to make it easier to get your tax right. But recognising the fact that the role of accountants in that is going to remain essential and having the flexibility to use accountants is really important. And it's really interesting now to see um, how business models are changing and how people are seeing the opportunity to actually do things differently and to add that higher value that you're talking about. I agree with Claire. In terms of, of our clients, like they want to get things right. You know, they want to get their VAT right. They want to get their, their tax right. So, you know, if there is something that's picked up further down the line where some a mistake has been made, it's because, you know, it's a genuine mistake. And whereas if we're doing it on a quarterly basis and we're checking what's being done and it's being submitted quarterly, then they're going to feel more in control because it's like a... It's a a check, isn't it? You know, oh yeah, it's gone in, it's submitted. So they're going to feel more comfortable with that. And I think that's a big part of it is building confidence with our clients and building that, you know, sort of comfortable feeling for them that it's okay and everything's going to be good and we'll support them through that. And and HMRC will support them through that and zero as well. I mean, actually talking of of, of mistakes, uh, 90% of all of our customers have an accountant that they work with. And and that's because accountants add huge amounts of value. And Mags has talked about vertical advice and financial services advice and all those things. Things, but actually accounting's hard, right? Um, and so I think if those businesses could easily and predictably do it themselves, then, you know, probably more would. Um, a, a really great example of that is coding. And so I, 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 if you've ever submitted expenses and, and you're asked to determine whether Charlie actually, expense... Charlie actually thought you were talking about computer coding there. He got all excited. He got all excited. No, not that kind of coding, unfortunately. Um, I knew what came to coding. <laughs> but, but, you know, you expect somebody who is busy looking to go and write contracts or they're running a business, they're an architect or something, and they have to kind of classify their spend. Is it like travel and subsistence or is it stationary or, you know, is it research? And... And there are 3 million mistakes made around the world every month in that coding. And so we've um, we've produced some neat software to help our accountants deal with that. But that's just really, really unproductive. Um, and so there are absolutely great opportunities to use artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, you know, wouldn't it be great, frankly, if we can take all the point of sale uh, data that's available in those type of expenditures and infer what the coding should be. And so we're talking about moving to this idea of codeless accounting, where frankly, we don't want small businesses bogged down in what these codes are. And so absolutely, I, I think, um, I'm not sure the machines are going to take over the world anytime <laughs> soon. Um, but is is there an application for that AI and machine learning? Absolutely. But it's all about streamlining the uh, that you know, kind of the more mundane, lower value work, uh, and then enabling advisory, as Mags, Mags, Mags said. Um. So when we talk to clients 11FS, we often talk to them about APIs enabling end-to-end journeys delivered by a number of partners on a particular platform. So this all sounds a bit nicey-nicey to me, that everyone's going to do very well and everyone's going to keep their job and do high-value services and deliver and that everyone's going to stay where they are. Surely what we've seen in in digital environments, in, in digital disruptions, are that some players do a hell of a lot better than others and that we see... Uh, we see new players or particular platforms on the ascendancy. Where do we think that that heads? Is that accurate? Do we think we're going to have a, a class of player? Oh, that's a really good question, isn't it? Does digital revolution always lead to more prosperous society? Um, I would say yes, 
Is it immediate? Sometimes no. It depends how quick this revolution is going to take. Right? If it takes a lifetime, then hopefully it's enough time for people to be able to change maybe their working habits or maybe even their skill sets. Um, if it happens in the space of a week, or you have a load of people who are doing the work that is now being automated out of a job, that is obviously a bad way to manage that situation. And when it comes to when you've got all the APIs, do they integrate nicely? I don't think I've ever had an API integrate so easily. <laughs> I thought they all just worked seamlessly. Most of them do. Okay, good. Some of them don't. Unfortunately, 1995 is still lingering around in the background for some of us. What about you guys? Like, are we going to have a disruption in the industry, in the SME world? I mean, I think from our point of view in the accountancy profession, like you can see um, in terms of people coming into the profession now, the skills are different mm. uh, to what they were five years ago and 10 years ago and what, what we're looking for and what they're looking for as well in terms of uh, the role that... that that our students, if you like, when they come in to begin with, the role that they're looking for is completely different. Um, so from that point of view, I think more bespoke, tailored training we'll see um, in terms of our graduates coming into the profession, whereas previously um, we may have brought in a block of students and then they would all have been trained the same way to do the, the same thing and, and to go out and audit. And I think we'll see... Um, Maybe a reduction in numbers coming into the profession, um, but maybe just going into different places in the profession, just a different um, a different skill set. So, what do you, what do your more mature members think about the changing? Because obviously, you've got these young graduates who are all excited about, yeah, I want to be right on the forefront of yeah. doing some high level uh, applications. But what about the people who have been around in the industry for a bit longer? How do they feel about the changing dynamic? Yeah, more of a challenge, I think, um, for people who've been in the profession longer um, but I certainly know in our firm um, when you're able to show the benefits and show the efficiencies so f for example when we, when we work closely with um, zero and clients that we're taking on uh, quite quickly we can show how much more efficient it is and how we can free up that time to do something different it's back to the same thing that you're able to free up the time and I think if you can actually because we're accountants at the end of the day so we like numbers so if you can actually show them the numbers then they're ecstatic and it's like oh great you've shown me how much more efficient it is and therefore what am I going to spend my time on now and you know these are well trained well qualified people so they are able to, you know, they are able to transfer their skills to do other things. Um, you've just got to show them the way, I think. But I guess there's also going to be a, a kind of fallout in fees because the, you know, few thousand pounds that I might pay an accountant every year, if suddenly there's a nice platform that brings this together and easier tax and accounting, then I assume that there are going to be, there's going to be price pressures and that people will come along in order to offer the same kind of services for a, for a lot less money. But then the point you're making is that if you can make them more efficient, then feasibly you could service more clients at once. So I can keep my day rate. I'm just splitting it now. I'm actually, if anything, protecting myself from hedging in one. Yes, so being ahead of the game and becoming more efficient more quickly is, mm. is important. Um, and also I think, you know, if you take that that SMB business who can do more themselves, which is great that they're able to do that. Um, but if you can then sit down with them quarterly to discuss their business from a, you know, um, a knowledge point of view where you know the market, you know... Um, you know what's in the in, in the market in terms of potential acquisition opportunities or joint ventures or things they might want to be involved in. So, if you're able to look across um, a national network as we would be, or an international network. So, for example, we work with Zero in, in Asia. We work with them in Australia. If you're able to do that for clients, because people look globally now, um, then hopefully you're advising your client on a national level and and then on a global level. So, I think I just think it's a complete change from from where we are just now. 
So we've uh, we've spent a lot of time surveying our accountancy partners. So we have thirty thousand accounting firms we work with globally, six and a half thousand in the UK, and so and that's a real range of firms. And in the last two years, uh, in an accountancy office, which I, I won't name the, the company, I've seen people manually transposing bank account uh, data off a paper statement into zero, which is which is kind of kind of bizarre because we clearly provide tools to do that. Um, so you know, at one end, uh, you get firms that are still really pretty antiquated in the way that they work, um, through to some firms who are really really getting very slick on their digitization, and where firms are embracing uh, vertical apps, where they're using uh, financial services and other application services from our ecosystem, um, the billings that, that they enjoy with their customers can be four or five times X, the basic compliance tax yeah. billings. Um, and so we know kind of empirically that going on the journey is a really, really productive, profitable journey to go on for accountants. Wow. So, they, so there you go, accountancy, uh, uh, an industry in flux, I guess. Um, I guess I'm in, go, interested to go back to the, the HMRC and the tax APIs. Because I guess as as someone who's had experience in small business, it just seems like a dark art that I can think of, uh, you know, of APIs that are transparent and clean because it's really easy to make a particular thing happen and get data back. Yet when it comes down to is my mobile phone in my name or the company's name and therefore can I claim that back off of corporation tax and how does all this work? That seems a long way back, a, a long way away from a super clean set of APIs to do tax. How do APIs and I guess the simplification of tax work? Is there any work to to make this easier? So I think that's where the digitization is so important because you're right, all the APIs are really doing is passing data back and forth because that's what APIs do. Actually, the real work, a lot of the real work is in the software and it's how the software is being built. And um, Ed was talking about um, some of the stuff they're doing to make coding easier. And so actually, when you come to um, uh, record an expense and you're just like, what on earth is this for? Actually, there's something there that helps you get that right straight away. We're also looking at what we can build in in terms of validation rules. So um, we have a whole um, series of, of, of things that we apply within HMRC. We're looking at how we can actually start to share them more with the software industry to help them build some of that in up front. So actually, by the time things get to us, they're already right, rather than us trying to put them forward, but put them right afterwards. But you're right. I mean, I think the... I can't imagine a world in any time soon where we're not always going to be looking at tax simplification. There is an office of tax simplification with whom we work very closely. Um, but I think we need to be realistic about um, about the extent to which in the certainly in the near future, we're going to end up with a uh, an entirely simple tax system. And I think that's where technology is so helpful, because it actually masks a lot of that complexity for for businesses and makes it much more straightforward for them to do what they need to do. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see a bit of uh, sort of machine learning around that kind of rules, automatic validation type thing. I and mean, when you start to get enough digitized returns over a few years, it'd be interesting to run some artificial intelligence on that and say, hey, look, actually, 90% of the time when someone files in a mobile phone, it's mostly miscategorized and it should be in this category. Is that what you actually meant? And and basically have it as a black box running over the top of, the, uh, of your data. That'd be pretty interesting to see yeah i'd be pretty interested in that too <laughs> <laughs> so, so so that stuff's kind of real that that's beginning to happen of course be as as vendors operate in the cloud across millions of, of customers over time and we're over a million customers already uh, that data set is a data set nobody has ever had access to before nobody's ever been able to mine and learn from in the way that we can today so again that again that that machine learning opportunity is very much current rather than future 
So in that post-PSD2 world, post-making tax digital, are there a new set of players that we're going to see? Are we going to see the ecosystem expanding with fintechs that do a variety of things for small businesses? So uh, there's clearly been a huge amount of fintech activity, particularly in London already. And, you know, this this, this show uh, is, is is tracking that. Um, and I think then open banking just, just catalyzes that. What's kind of interesting, I think, is the buying dynamics for those services around, around SMBs. And, and we've been tracking some of the developments in marketplaces, for example, in retail, where I think they make a great deal of sense, right? If, if, I, if I'm given better tools to track my personal expenses and, and, and financial affairs, I think that's, that's a great development. Um, again, small businesses are... Um, really busy typically being architects, being dentists, you know, running hair salons and coffee shops and all the things that they do. Um, and so uh, I think there's, there's still this really, really central role for uh, accountants particularly, and actually potentially banks, interesting enough, where, where there's a relationship with a, a bank account manager or relationship manager um, to be bringing forward the right uh, solutions and services at the right time. And so I think there's, you know, maybe it's a bit like the, uh, the Apple, uh, the Apple, um, app store, right? There's, you know, tens and tens of thousands of applications, but a very small number of them actually get a lot of take up. Um, and I think you'll see the same thing in the, uh, in the FinServe space, particularly, whereas, uh, there are lots and lots of firms that are starting up, but actually I think it's quite a small number of them that will really get the scale that they need, particularly in SMB. And I think that will come from really close engagement with banks and recognizing the importance of accountants. Uh, I was at the Nesta Open Up Challenge event just recently where they've got 20 teams sort of fighting it out for a, a million pound prize. And equally at the same time, we've got RBS putting up, is it 860 million to 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 uh, fund other banks and providers? Yeah. There seems to be a lot of money, I guess, moving into both from a government perspective and a banking perspective, uh, small business services. Would you say that's that's accurate? Yeah, I'd not heard the Nesta um, competition kind of uh, analogized to the uh, RBS parting with that money in quite the same way before. Um, but I guess, I guess, I guess the net results the same. And so, yeah, you know, I, I, certainly uh, our experience based on engagement with banks right now, and particularly after ring fencing, of course, um, the uh, execs worried about small businesses now live in quite different entities in the big banks than they did uh, previously. Um, there's huge focus on how they engage SMBs. Um, I think it's been said that SMB has, has perhaps been the poor relation in, in yeah. banking, yeah. Uh, particularly. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing an awful lot of, of really bright people thinking really, really hard about how they uh, engage uh, SMBs. And, and we touched on, on, on disintermediation. I think that's a very real threat uh, unless banks are able to uh, really get their act together in terms of experience and serving up the right kind of services. And again, recognizing the way that SMBs engage with these services and, and, and buy. So I guess to to round this up, to bring it together, what are the big challenges to the ecosystem? Like where are the big changes going to occur in the next the next couple of years? I think from an accountancy perspective, um, like our clients, I think we're just going to see a wave of change uh, within our client base. And I think it's going to happen really quickly. Um, I think with GDPR and MTD, I think we're just going to see lots of activity. And I think possibly similar to auto-enrolment, um, we'll see it happen, you know, suddenly the, the penny will drop and we'll just see lots of SMBs really um, starting to look at what they do and looking for support from from all of us actually um, in terms of 
how they how they embrace it and and that's going to be really good and exciting over the next next period i guess um for for some mtd is going to be a massive catalyst to get them onto that digital journey particularly those who are, are really not in that space at the moment but for others it's just going with the grain of what they're already doing so i think for for some people it's a big part of that that revolution and for other people it's just a, a byproduct of it so for me, when you when you see a marketplace that has a consumer group who are underserved, um, corporates are pretty well served, retail is getting better served, they started that journey a few years ago, but when you see a consumer base that's underserved, in this case SMBs, and then you surround that marketplace in an ecosystem of more digital services, like making tax digital, like what Zero offers, such that you can put something in that marketplace with a very, very low overhead, so you're talking very, very small numbers of staff in order to make it work, scalable, again, I'm thinking web technologies here. When you start to get that opportunity, immediately you're going to get startups. And in this space, it's obviously going to be fintechs, but technology startups are going to be able to embrace that and actually make a difference. You don't have to be a thousand person organization to actually serve that underserved market. Yeah, and, and I, I think a couple of uh, changes again, I, I guess I hark back to how and when do I access services if I'm a small business? And, and you know, the more there are to choose from, the more complex that gets. Um, we uh, definitely see... Uh, actually our accounting community and the relationship management community at banks um, very much wanting tools that allow them to uh, intervene by exception. Uh, and actually I was with, with a, a bank yesterday and they were talking about some of their um, management practices that, that involve account reviews on periodic basis, but it, but it's pretty manual. You have to go in, look at key metrics, pull out data, and then determine whether you should uh, engage, engage a client. Again, there's no reason that with the right data, those opportunities to intervene and, and engage shouldn't be surfaced up. Um, so if I'm running a small business, what I want is my accountant actually coming to me and telling me that I'm likely to have a cash flow pinch in two months' time and actually already being able to offer great insight on actually what form I should be accessing capital. I probably don't want to have to think about that stuff. And again, across uh, thousands or hundreds of thousands of clients, if I'm a large accounting firm or if I'm a bank, I think that transformation is, is again, absolutely coming and, and will just mean that we're better capable catering to small businesses. Well, thank you. Thanks all so much for joining us today. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Uh, Ed Burks on Twitter or uh, find me at zero.com. Excellent. Uh, Margaret Laidlaw, so head of SME at Mazars and I'll be at elevatebymazar.co.uk. Perfect. I'm feeling rather like the faceless bureaucrat now, but uh, <laughs> I guess the main place to, to find out more about the stuff we're doing uh, is on gov.uk. As we come out of our control period on the pilot, there'll be a lot more information there about it. And obviously we're on Twitter at hmrcgov.uk. As a digital architect here, I feel like the least digital. I'm not on Twitter. I have a mechanical watch. It's a disaster. But I am on LinkedIn. So um, Charles Wood or charles.wood at capco.com. And capco.com, I guess, has all of our stuff on it. And as for me, you can find me at Jason Bates on Twitter. Reach out if you've got any comments on what we've discussed this week. And thanks for listening. This has been Fintech Insider Insights. To get in touch, find us on Facebook or Twitter at Fintech Insiders. We'll bring you lots more insights soon. Until next time, see you soon.